Well, tonight, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to do a panel. We have some questions. We're just going to have a little discussion tonight. Is that okay? Amen. <laughs> that was a little weak. Is that okay? <laughs> all right. First of all, let me say, man, worship went, man, we, what, what's our time? <laughs> oh, man. Do you, know, do, you, do you all know what eternity is? Do, 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 you, do you realize what that is? Do you realize there's no time? God created time. Can you imagine worshiping for eternity? Do you even, do you, do you, can you fathom what that is like? Sometimes I wonder, is our worship good enough for God? That's a dangerous question because it can cause you to compare. It can, it can cause you to look inward. And really, worship is about God and looking to him. Tonight, we're going to talk about a couple of things and we'll just have a discussion and let me first give a disclaimer. And the disclaimer is, we don't know it all. <laughs> that's good. And that's the best disclaimer I think that we could say, we don't know it all, you don't know it all, but that's okay. So we're going to introduce the panel here. So to my right is Jeanette Reif, worship leader here. Good up for Jeanette. Next to her is Bruce Vanderveen. Bruce. Bruce. Next to him, Tiffany Mora. Next to her, Mr. Jared Gregory. Hello. <laughs> who am I? That's, that, it doesn't matter who I am. That's, I'm Ken. I'm Ken. <laughs> Oh, wow, I got a bigger clap than Bruce for the first time. Usually Bruce gets the <laughs> biggest clap. <laughs> all right, well, we have a bunch of different questions here, and we're going to um, maybe not get to all of them, but we're going to get to some of them. Um, let me start by this. Let me start with this one, and this was not a question. <laughs> Put you on the spot. I'm going to start with you, Jared. Me? Oh, yes, sir. Man. Okay. And I know we've been doing a worship series, and we probably talked about it, but I'm going to mention it again. What is worship to you? What is worship to me? Okay. Okay, here we go. Uh, first, let me just preface this by saying, hey, I'm really excited about this tonight. This is cool, isn't it? This is cool. You know, it's uh, the, the subject of worship. Worship is what we were made to do. That's what we were made for. And God designed us with the capacity, the desire. We all worship something. So I want you to, to go home and think about that uh, little nugget. We all inevitably end up worshiping something or someone. God designed us that way because he wants us to worship him. Um, God desires relationship. And so I'm, I'm really excited about this panel. We all get to serve week in and week out. In the realm of worship, music specifically, worshiping through music, uh, as a part of the WCA staff here, the Worship and Creative Arts staff. So I dig this. This is cool. This is cool. Okay, worship to me, <clears throat> if you put it simply, 
Worship is honoring God. Worship is honoring God. That's why the Bible says, do all things unto the Lord. You can do anything in a way that honors God, right? The words you say, the interactions you have with people, uh, and really we, a real attitude of worship is going through your day-to-day, every day, handling everything in a way, saying everything in a way that honors God. That's your heart's desire. So really, a heart of worship, that's, I love how God describes King David in Scripture. God said, David was a man after my own heart. And you see the life of David. You guys all know who King David was, right? He was a very imperfect person. He made a lot of mistakes. He messed up a lot. And I don't know about you guys, but I can relate to a lot of mess-ups. Amen? That's, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. We're people. If you cannot relate to that, um, we will have a talk after this about pride. Okay? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. I'm Next just week's series. Next week's series. <laughs> um, but worship is just living in a way, doing everything unto the Lord. Lord, I want to honor you. So just like we just brought God's tithes, our offerings, we were bringing the Lord worship. We wanted to honor the Lord with that part of our life, right? So anything, I, I just want to pose a challenge, a good heart check when you guys go home. Any part of your life that you are not honoring God with, you're not worshiping God with that part of your life. And, you know, that's a good reminder because God wants all of us. God wants every part, every part. Because his way is the best way. Just like we sang, great defender. God tells us to do things his way, not because it's a bunch of rules, but because God loves us and always has our best in mind. Worship. It's a big, we we just keep going all night. I know. I threw that in there. Okay, here's a question. How do you push past not feeling like worshiping? Am I being fake if I worship and I don't feel like it? How many can relate to that question? A lot of hands there. A lot of hands there. I'm going to one more time. How do you push past the feeling of not wanting to worship? Am I being fake or hypocritical? I can take that one. Can I be vulnerable with you guys? Is that cool? Sweet. Um, man, this year for sure, uh, for me, has probably been one of the hardest years to be able to come and worship and spring a sacrifice to God just because of what I was struggling with personally, just like my identity and like some pretty like heavy stuff and having to come here and lead worship and be like, wow, I feel like a fake person right now. Like it was, it was hard, but it was also like a sanctuary for me because at, at times I felt separated separated from God but when I came and I worshiped I was able to like feel his presence and be with him and be like okay no this is real this is real God is real and he's here and I I can sense his presence moving in the room and um those were some hard moments to grab that mic and say, hey, let's, let's worship. Or even in, in the privacy of my home to be like, let me get on my knees and worship God. Because a part of me felt like, like I was being fake. Um, 
but glory to God, God's been, uh, I've been rediscovering God through the word, which is really awesome. Um, and it's gotten easier to pick up that mic again and to, to lift up a praise. Um, and there's moments, like, if I'm honest, we have to be here sometimes at 730 in the morning on a Sunday morning. And that can be really hard to get up because this girl got to, you know, got to curl my hair, got to get my makeup on. And I got to get up at 530 in the morning to do all that stuff. And that sometimes is hard to do. But um, when, when you think about it, worship is such a sacrifice before the Lord. And I'm willing to do that and even more in order to just bring praises to his name and, and sacrifice my time, sacrifice my, my sleep, <laughs> um, everything and anything in order to lift up his name and, and glorify him and give him the honor. So that's just, that's me. I would, I would uh, piggyback on that and say that no matter what, when, when the question was, um, am I being fake? Well, we can't fake things to God because God knows our hearts. And that's the thing that he's most concerned about. Um, that's the thing that he cares about the most. Um, we can put on a show outwardly or do nothing. But at the end of the day, it's God that knows the intentions and the motives and all those, all those things inside of your heart. So you really, you're not faking it with him. And that's why we worship, was, is to worship him. And those are the moments that um, I found in my own life where I've had to, like, be super intentional and be super focused on, okay, I just, I don't feel these things. I feel so many other things, but God, I, this is the moment that I need you the most. And those have been some of the most powerful moments of worship in my life. And those have been private moments, um, more so than, than being on the platform. So he knows your heart. You can't fake anything with God. He knows you more intimately than anybody else. I know, Jared, I think you said you wanted to say something, but to go along with that, kind of a question that goes along with this on, an, on another card. Um, how do we pick the songs we pick to sing, but along with that, how do, we prayer, how do we prepare for services on and off the platform? In other words, the congregation as well, how do they come and prepare? You were talking about your quiet time. So I want to, you know, get into that. So, yeah, this is a portion of Scripture that um, when it comes to not feeling like worshiping, let me just throw this at you guys. You got to believe Jesus didn't feel like going through what he went through on the cross because we all wrestle our flesh, right? Our flesh stinks. <laughs> we are a spirit. We have a soul, and we live in a body. We still wrestle the flesh. And I want to read this portion of scripture to you guys. 1 John chapter 3, verses 18 through 20. I love this. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Right there, you could sum that up as worship. Let us show the truth that's in here by the way we live, our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. Listen to this. Even if we feel guilty... God is greater than our feelings, and he knows everything. Like Jeanette said, he knows your heart. And what God knows is sometimes when you f don't feel like entering into worship, maybe you feel kind of self-conscious. Maybe you don't feel like raising your hands or expressing yourself in worship. Um, 
But God knows the heart, and he knows when you push past all of that to say, Father, I'm going to worship you right now. God knows when you don't feel like it physically, but you come as a sacrifice of praise, and you push past all that. And so I just want to encourage you with that. Um, don't, don't base the truth off of how you feel. The truth is the truth, and it stands alone, right? And we stand on it. All right, here's one. Is it okay to listen to secular music? Uh-oh. How do you define secular music? The elephant in the room. I have something for this, if you don't mind. Secular music broken down into three categories. Actually, not secular music, but just music in general broken down into three categories. The purpose of it, the style, and the content. That's just music in general. So when you look at the purpose of music, let's talk about what, what Jared mentioned earlier. King Saul. So I'm going to read something that I, this is, these are some notes that I made for myself. King Saul asking David to play music for him. So that was for soothing. So he was being tormented by his spirit, Saul. And he asked for music to be played to soothe him. So that wasn't necessarily a praise and worship session. All right, maybe not necessarily even singing. That was music to soothe. Okay. In the Psalms, they're playing music to worship God. Colossians 3, 16 and 17 says, let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. I read this last week, talked about this. And whatever you do or say, do it in representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So that's another purpose for music, especially Worship music. So when you look at the purpose, uh, secular music versus, versus worship. So in secular, the absence or worship or music not being offered to God, per se, the purpose obviously is different. So this, this I could talk about this for, for hours. What about jazz music, right? Technically music without words. So does words necessarily make a song secular or not. I do not believe that. I do believe the spirit of the person matters. Okay, now let me throw a little monkey wrench into it even further. I'm married to my wife, been married for 28 years, believe it or not. Yeah, that's worth clapping for. <laughs> so, another question with that is um, an artist. Can an artist, can a, can a Christian artist do secular music? Or can a secular artist do a Christian music? That's a question that's often asked. And see, us as musicians, uh, we're going to have a lot of times a different perspective because we're musicians. So I wrote a song for my wedding. It was a love song to my wife. I wasn't singing, oh, come to the altar at my wedding. <laughs> I wasn't singing, resurrecting. Okay, I wasn't singing How Great Is Our God. All right, I, I wrote and sang a love song to my wife. Does that make me any less Christian? Does that make me 
a non-Christian artist. You follow what I'm saying? There's a lot. So, so you can go. There's a lot of layers there. But here's something else. Style shouldn't be as divisive as it is. But style is very divisive. You know, there's a question I believe in here about uh, preferences in worship style or worship songs. That's very divisive. Um, and it shouldn't be because God loves, God accepts and receives all music that is offered to him. You know, so I'm not a big country fan, but, you know, that doesn't mean that country music isn't good. You know, now can you have country gospel? Sure, that's out there. Okay. Content. So let's look at Philippians. It's the last thing I'll say. Philippians 4.8 is an excellent guide for musical lyrics. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So what we're singing, is it, is it, is it praiseworthy? Is it admirable? Is it pure? Is it right? Is it something that we would offer to God? So here's my, and I think, Bruce, I want you to chime in on this. Is it okay to listen to secular music? I think people in general are on different spiritual journeys. Okay? You've heard of the, the phrase babes and Christ, babe, spiritual babes and, you know, somebody that's walked with the Lord a long time. Do I listen to secular music? Yes. Um, do I listen to a lot of secular music? No. What's my ratio? I don't know, 10 to 90. Um, so essentially, I'm, I'm, I don't listen to hardly secular music hardly at all. But every once in a while, I do. As musicians, we hear music, we hear beats, we hear melodies. You understand that? But I do pick and choose what I listen to and what I don't listen to because that can get in your spirit. Um, so lyrics do matter, and, and I do believe that the spirit of the person does matter as well. So that's my answer for that. So here's the last questions for you. If you, because I'm sure many of you here, maybe most of you listen to secular music. Does that mean you're going to hell? Of course not. But here's a question. Can you handle it? What is your daily prayer life? And what's the ratio of secular music you listen to versus godly or worship music or Christian music? So those are, so I would, if, if, if you're wondering, I would write those three questions down. I'm going to say it again. Can you handle it? What is your daily prayer life? And what's the ratio of secular music versus non-secular music that you listen to if you are listening to it? And maybe there's some adjustments that you can make. The Romans 8.1 says, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So don't condemn yourself, okay, but maybe you can Change the ratio a little bit. Amen? Amen. That's my answer, Bruce. Okay. Well, um, <clears throat> i got a few things to say about this. And the first is, um, you know, there is music that if you analyze the lyrics, it's very clear that it's, you know, it doesn't glorify God in the lyrics. But, um, and, and there's, there's a spectrum, right? There's some that's just really against God. There's some that's like, well, it doesn't mention God. It's not necessarily against, you know, but um, my question is, who created music? D did the devil make that music? Did he create it and come up with it? He didn't. You know, it says in, it says in the Bible that the devil, uh, before, before the fall of man, was a musician, but he didn't create it. 
God created music, God created him. And there is, uh, you know, beauty in many different styles of music. Um, you know, there, there, may be a, there can be a spirit behind different types of music, but it gets a little more complicated when you think about the first hymns. You know, it, there was a point in our church history when, when you know, they didn't use instruments, uh, when, you know, they only spoke in Latin, all that kinds of things. Then, then uh, people like Martin Luther came along and kind of tried to reform all that, give, uh, give the Bible back to the people, brought music back into the church, and he did it by taking secular songs and changing the word. You know, changing the words in some of our most prized hymns right now, you know, the, the old ones, because he was from a long time ago, um, are from secular songs that they sung in bars with the words changed. So, you know, what is the spirit behind those songs now? Well, I, I think the, the music is something that God created. He created the ability to make music, to put chords together, and how we choose to use it is up to us. So that's one aspect. Another aspect is um, music is just one form of art that can glorify God. And so we can, a lot of us, you know, a lot of Christians talk about, well, I only listen to, to Christian music. Okay, well, what about other expressions, other forms of art? Do you only watch Christian movies? Do you only watch Christian TV shows? Or books. Or books, exactly. All those things are forms of art, and uh, they can be used to glorify God. Sometimes they, you know, they can be... Uh, put to use in a way that doesn't glorify God. But, uh, you know, if we're going to just be uh, really spiritual and strict about music and not about other areas, that doesn't quite make sense to me. Um, especially since uh, areas like movies have music in them. You know, it, it, they have instrumental soundtracks that creates emotion. And so then the question is, how do you choose which movies, TV shows, books are okay to read? You know, uh, do you do it based on the rating? Maybe that's a helpful thing. Do you do it based on uh, the message? You know, is it positive? Is it uplifting? You know, is it, is it a negative message that kind of leaves you feeling yucky afterwards? Or do you come out feeling inspired? You know, like, for example, let's, let's take the biggest movie of all time, Avengers Endgame. You know, is it a Christian movie? No. But some people can go away from something like that feeling really inspired. Like, oh, that was, that was great. I just feel, like, empowered, you know. Suddenly, my little problems don't feel too much. Uh, my, my wife, for example, and this is maybe common among women, but she likes romantic comedies. She, she watches a romantic comedy. I watch it with her, and she, she goes away with, like, a happy feeling inside. Well, it, it's not necessarily a Christian. It doesn't have a message that directs us towards God, but you know what? He created love. So, uh, you know, like Ken was saying about the love songs. So there's lots of things out there that don't explicitly, in the words mention God, but you know what? Everything good was created by God, whether it mentions him or not. And so I think we need to apply that same strategy of, you know, well, if I listen to this, just like we do with movies, you know, is it, is it uplifting? You know, do I go away from that? And I think, oh, that was, that was cool, or it gives me a good feeling, or do I feel like, oh, you know, that just, that just leaves me feeling yucky inside, you know? Um, and, it, and that may depend on, like Ken mentioned, your spiritual journey. But uh, just remember that God created everything good, including all the different types of music and art and everything else. Yeah, you got to make it quick because you got to go to another question. Okay. Well, I was just going to say with, with the words, I, I find myself that when I listen sometimes to Christian radio music, the lyrics sometimes, you know, bless their heart, they do an amazing job. But sometimes it's all centered around us and, and just focused on us. And um, 
it's not about us, you know, like when, when I think at least about worship music, lifting up praises to God, like to be careful, be paying attention to even the words that you're listening to with the music, because sometimes those songs are just so centered on woe is me, woe is me, you know, and it's like, it's no, it's, it's God's awesome. Yeah, God is moving. Sometimes they have like a good ending to the song, but um, it's paying attention to those lyrics as well. So just adding that. One of the goals for Dive Into Worship series is for all of us, including us, to get a deeper understanding and meaning behind why we worship, who we worship, okay? And that goes along with this question here. What are we mindful of as we lead worship? So I'm going to give them a little picture. Maybe we'll kind of end with this a little bit into kind of our minds because sometimes everyone wants to kind of know what goes on behind the scenes. Um, so, so this is going to be a multiple, this is going to have like a bunch of different parts to it, this question. What are we mindful as we lead worship? Okay, and I also want to talk about them um, and, and folks in the pews and the congregation, us. How can we prepare to go into a worship service? That's one. And then two, what do we think about when we're picking songs? you know, to sing for a worship set here. Because we have, a, you know, we have songs that we do. Some you like, probably some maybe you don't like. Okay. And then the last one, do we need the lights and the fog? Wait, I think they want you to answer that one first. Yeah, you better just go Just there. answer that one first. <laughs> just go ahead. Do you need all of that stuff? I have something for it, but I'm not going to say it yet unless somebody has something. I have something about for that. Go ahead, Bruce. You're waiting. You're itching. You're okay. itching. So um, what do the lights and the fog do? They create uh, an atmosphere. You know, what we're trying to do is create an atmosphere of worship here. You know, that's why uh, we don't have bright lights on all the time because it's a little easier to worship, a little easier to sing out when you feel like the spotlight's not on you. You know, it's a little easier to sing out when there's music that's loud enough to kind of uh, fill the room so you don't feel like, oh, everybody around me is hearing me hit, you know, this note, and I'm not sure if I'm hitting the note right. We're trying to create an atmosphere where everybody can worship. Another aspect to it is, do we just want to do the bare minimum? You know, what about, what about a sound system? Do we need that? You know, do we need microphones? Maybe we just get up here. Do we even need instruments? Maybe we should just sing. Well, I think what we want to do is not the bare minimum. We want to do the maximum we can for God. And that's excellence in every area. You know, the best sound, the best music, the best lights. You know, the, the secular world uses all these things to create an atmosphere where maybe people are worshiping other things than God. But we should do our best to create that same atmosphere and use all of it to worship God. So that's right. all I have to say. Can, can I chime in with that? Bruce is exactly right. Uh, the priests in the Old Testament were responsible for the way the temple looked, smelled, sounded. They were responsible for the atmosphere when you walked in that you would have an experience with the living God. And, uh, you know, it's been said if we don't teach people how to worship, then we're responsible to entertain. And we are not entertainers at all. I can't stand karaoke. It's awkward. I feel really awkward when I do it. <laughs> but I can worship God. And uh, it's like Bruce said, you might as well just, uh, we don't have to have lights. We don't have to have fog. But I also don't need a guitar to worship my God. We don't need a keyboard. We don't, I don't need a mic. But what it's about 
when we're up on the platform, when I'm preparing to get on the platform, my prayer is, Lord, what do your people need to hear? When I'm picking out a song set, uh, I, I, I pray that prayer. I sit in front of my computer before I get on the program and I do what I got to do. I, I sit down and I say, Lord, what do your people need to hear this week? And then I just wait to hear from the Holy Spirit. And he is always faithful and he always lines up the right songs with the message and what pe- it, it, he never fails. And, uh, you know, that's really when we get on the platform, when I'm standing up there, my mindset is, Lord, I'm here to minister to you and to minister to your people. That's what we're here to do. Church, not just people on the platform, us all, the church. That's what God designed you to do, to minister to him and minister to his people. And so, yes, we don't need fog machines, we don't need lights, but we can use them for God's glory because we want to bring the best sacrifice of praise that we can. Amen? Great answer. You guys said everything that was in my notes. I guess I won't talk. Sorry. We're going to wrap this up, kind of. I don't want to, though. I want to keep going. Jeanette, I would like you, all right, to talk about this. What are you mindful of when you lead worship? Kind of what Jarrett was talking about when you put put something together. Um, And along with that, we're people like everybody else. We go through stuff. What do you do? What do you think about when you're coming to lead the people? I, I would say the most resounding thing for me as I, as I lead is that um, it's not, my first prayer is that it's never about me and that what comes out of my mouth, whether I'm speaking or I'm singing, is an overflow of what God's put in my heart and what he's done in my life. And I want everything that I do to be a a testimony of that. And probably one of my most deepest things that I often, as as I minister from the platform is, oh God, if they could just know how good you are, if they could just know how faithful you are, if they could just know how worthy you are, and not that I think that I know that, but I'm like, if I just have a taste of that, and it's so good, if they could just know that, like that's always for me, just been something that's just like the cry of my heart, that your people would know your goodness and your faithfulness and your love. All of those goodness, those good attributes of who you are, and you are sovereign and holy. Um, I think that's probably the thing that um, I, I often think about or, or um, as, I'm, as I'm ministering, and that in, through all of that, that's me giving God, God my worship as well. Um, as I pour myself out, there's many Sundays, and, and I know many of us that can sit up here, is that when you lead worship, at least for me, when I worship and I'm leading a congregation or the people, that I go home and take the best Sunday nap ever. Because I just, it, it feels like you just pour yourself out. And I'm sure people that speak and all of those things, you feel the same way when you feel like you're giving God all that you have. I don't want to ever give God my second best. I want him to always have first place in everything that I do. And I would say that's probably the most important. That's like the thing that comes first to my mind, apart from all of the details that he is over and all the things that we hear inside of our ear, which would be kind of cool for people to hear about, maybe. Well, we have to wrap up because it's getting late. Um, 
But as we close, thank you, first of all, for allowing us the opportunity to, to talk about this. Maybe we'll do it again. Um, I want you to know, we want you to know that we pray for you. We pray for you on a regular basis. We pray for the, for the flock here. We pray for our friends. You're our friends. You're our family. And we pray for you. And our desire is that you would get a deeper meaning every time you come to church you get closer to God. We get closer, you get closer. That's our prayer. And know that. And just because we're up here doesn't make us any more important than those that are not up here. When we come, we all bring a sacrifice of praise, and it's a sweet aroma to God. Not because I have a mic, and you don't have a mic. God doesn't care about mics. God doesn't care about fog. God doesn't care about lights. He doesn't care what songs we sing. He doesn't care about any of that. It's about the heart. And you come with the right heart, even if you don't come with the right heart, because I can guarantee you probably 50% or more of the folks that come here don't come with the right heart. You know, we got stuff going on, right? Argued in the car on the way here, probably. You know, we got stuff. But when we come into the presence of God, it's not about the four walls. It's not about 5,100 Ivanress. It's not about that. What is it about? It's about your temple. It's not about this temple. It's about your temple. And we all hold the presence of God in us. And when you come and sincerely say, God, I messed up last week. You know, I have a lot of stuff going on in my mind. Um, please, I'm putting that aside to focus on you, to focus on you. And when you do that, God receives that. And you get closer to him. And that's what he wants, intimacy with you. Amen.